0: Well, praise God. Get your Bibles out, please. And if you would, go to the book of Revelation, all the way to the end. Revelation chapter 12. Now, I started preaching this message Wednesday night, and I'm going to brush over some. If you really want to get all of it, you'll have to go back and watch the Wednesday night message. But uh, uh, I'm still talking about the Holy Spirit, but in all of the... I don't know, sometimes I just kind of, you know, run off over here a little bit for a little bit. So uh, it all fits in your notes if you're a good note taker. And so the title of the message this morning is Three Mighty Weapons. Everybody say Three Mighty Weapons. I'll say it like it's something really good. Say Three Mighty Weapons, you know, like, yeah, like you really got something good. You don't, you know, like I gave you a little pen knife. I'm going to give you some mighty weapons this morning. And so it says here in Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, And war broke out in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was place found in them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and our power and of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Amen. Okay. So. I, 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 like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna brush over some of this, but if you really want to get the depth of it, you got to go back. You got to listen to Wednesday night's message. But you see this scene taking place in heaven. The angel, the 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 devil rises up against God, and it's all over within a second. In in Luke chapter 10, Jesus said he saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So there was not really a fight. There was not really a battle. It was not, you know, like the Super Bowl the other night. You didn't know who was going to win, right? I mean, it was, it was no, there was no deal. He rose up and (laughs) and he was gone, right? And so don't ever let that, let let Hollywood or anything else put the imagery in your mind that, you know, like, oh my gosh, Jesus just barely won. (laughs) Pulled it out in the last seconds, you know? And so anyway, no, 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 no. That's not the way it worked. (laughs) Like lightning. That's a, that's a. That's a fight now, right? That's punch. So anyway, what I want you to see here is that you have an enemy. He got cast down to earth. We live in this world. It's a fallen world. It's not the way it was supposed to be intended to. It's not the Garden of Eden. It is a fallen world. There's a curse upon the world. This is the way it is. The devil is down here. You just got to have to learn to deal with it. There's no safe place to get. It's like I've always thought about and, and some of you may not agree with me because we're you know we're country people and we're kind of out there but that's okay you can have you can be in disagreement still love me okay amen but like I never have been much of a prepper and I, I'm prepped in areas all right but because I, 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 I've always said and no matter how much food I could prep, and no matter much how much I had, I'm going to end up giving it all away. That everybody comes along. All I'm going to do is extend things longer. So i got to believe in miracles. i got to believe, you know, that the bag of rice never runs out. So I have spent all my life trying to really focus in on that and said, God, i got to have miracles because there's too many people i got to feed. Hello? Okay. So anyway, because I'm not going to crawl in a hole and let everybody else starve. But we live in a fallen world. But according to Romans 8, 37, God created you and called you to be an overcomer. The only way you can be an overcomer is you have to overcome something. Y'all hearing me? You cannot be an overcomer unless you overcome something. You're just over, or you're a comer, or you're overcome, but you cannot be an overcomer unless you defeat it. Right? Jesus said in Matthew eleven twelve, he says, man, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. There's times as a Christian you have to be violent You're not violent towards humans. You're not violent towards humanity and what's going on down here. You're violent towards the enemy who wants to destroy you, who wants to deceive you, who wants to lie to you, who wants to come into your life and whisper in your ear and keep you in depression and make you think that nobody loves you and nothing's going to ever go your way and there's never going to be a brighter tomorrow that it's just going to get worse and worse. That enemy, that liar. That one that whispers to you. That's who you're defeating. That's who you're always fighting. Amen? Okay, so, so you've got to understand this is the scene. But you, God didn't say, oh, well, guys, I know it's going to be tough, but when you get through with life, I'm here for you. Just do the best job you can. That isn't what he left us with. No. He said, I'm going to leave you mighty things here on this earth that you can fight, you can defend, you can win, and you can overcome for me. So you can be called an overcomer. Hello? Okay. So. And I'm just brushing through this stuff. Like I said, you got to go back if you want the in-depth part. Ephesians 1 and 20, I showed you where... All authority and power has been given unto Jesus in heaven and on earth. Over every spiritual dominion, Jesus is in charge. There's no higher authority, no higher power. No matter what the devil says, no matter what he lies about, he's not in charge. Now, I want you to go to this one, Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. And then I'm going to kick off with the rest of this. I want to show you the three mighty weapons this morning. I teased the church Wednesday night. I preached all the way down to right here, and then I didn't tell them what it was. I said, you got to come back Sunday morning to hear it. Colossians 2.15. It's talking about Jesus. He says, having disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Jesus is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. Hello? Jesus is. The devil's not. Jesus is. The devil has authority over this world to walk in this world and to deceive people who want to be deceived, but he doesn't have authority over Christians who can come up and say, no, stop, what are you talking about? This is not what the Word says. But if Christians don't rise up, you know what? He'll sit there and lie to you all day long. Listen to me. If Christians don't rise up, he'll lie to you all day long. He'll tell you you're not going to make it. He'll lie to you. say you're never going to overcome. You're never going to win. He'll lie to you all the time. He's always running a bluff on you. Always. But what are you going to do? You're going to call his bluff? You're going to say, you want a piece of meat? Come on, big boy. Because Jesus is in charge and he lives in me. And greater is he that's in me than it's he that's in this world. You're in the world. He's in me. You're defeated. But Christians got to rise up and do something about it. So let me give you the first weapon. Now you're, gonna, you're probably on the edges of your seat. I hope. And I'm going to tell you these three weapons, and some of you are going to say, oh, well, I knew that. And if you do, I'm telling you, you miss it. Because what I'm preaching this morning to you can change your life forever. Even if you've been serving the Lord for 50 years and you think you're so sharp, you better hear what I'm saying this morning. Because it's, going to, it's something that I guarantee you what, will change your life. The very first weapon that God gave us is the living word. All right, I mean, that's simple. You say, oh, yeah, oh, we knew that. But let's look at it. Matthew 4. Go to Matthew 4, verse 3. Now, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but we use a term in generally, and we talk about, and we say, oh, well, the devil's really after me today. Well, technically, Beelzebub, the Prince of Darkness is probably not the one dealing with you. <laughs> He's in Washington. Okay? He, he didn't have time to be messing with you. You've got some little imp, right? Some little, some little whiff of an imp. That's what you've got, okay? I'm sorry, but anyway, you can use that terminology you want to, but just, just get it into perspective here of what's really the truth is. Matthew 4, verse 3, the devil, Beelzebub himself, comes to Jesus. And it says, now when the tempter came to him, he said, if. Look look at this. What boldness. What gall. He knew who Jesus was. Listen to me. This was not like the first time they met. Do you know this? Because the devil was always in heaven. And Jesus was always in heaven. When the world was created, Jesus was there. He knew him. He knew he was. It's not like this man say, hey, I'm the devil. Hell, hey, I'm Jesus. How you doing? It wasn't their first meeting. And so the devil comes to Jesus right then, and he's trying to trip him up. He's trying, and so he says, if you're the son of God, right? He's trying to question Jesus on who, his, who he is. He knew that's the way he works. He tries these little deceptive practices, these little deceptive words coming at you to try to get you to question who you are as a Christian. So he says, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered. Jesus answered and he said, it is written. Everybody say it's written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You go through this and you read this. Three times Jesus, when the devil challenged him, three times the devil challenged him in different areas, and three times Jesus said to him, it's written. In other words, wait a minute. Go read the word. I already know what the promise says. Why would Jesus do this? Think about this. Why didn't Jesus just smoke him again? Why didn't Jesus, why doesn't it say, what are you talking about, Lucifer? You remember when I cast you out of heaven like lightning? You want me to smack you again, bud? Why didn't he go down there and say, Michael, can you come over here and cut his head off? No. He did something to show us an example of how we in life are going to defeat the devil and become overcomers. Jesus was our example. Everything he did was to put down and set an example for you and I to walk in on this earth. And he wanted to show us in his humanity, his human form, he wanted to show us how you defeat the devil. So he went through this. I mean, golly, folks, do you know how hard this was for Jesus I mean, when Jesus was in, in, in the garden and everything was happening and all going, he says, he says, guys, don't you know I could just call 12 legions of angels and we just wipe out the world? It was so hard for Jesus. It's not, I mean, come on, folks. I mean, just a One good Holy Ghost punch. But he was doing it because he's trying to show us how you defeat the devil. So he, th- he said to him, it's written. Hey, dummy, it says right here. And so what happened? Well, the devil's. (laughs) So then he had to try again the next one. Oh. And then the devil says, I'm going to flip it up here. I'm going to use word on him. So he quotes Psalms 91. Throw yourself down. So he starts quoting scripture. The devil's quoting scripture. You remember when Jesus was a boy. And he was 12. And the family left Jerusalem, and then look around, they've lost Jesus. How do you think Mary felt? I mean, this is another whole message. How did Mary feel when she lost the Son of God? Pretty big responsibility there. Look around, where's Jesus? I don't know. So they go back and they find him, right? And in verse 49, Luke two forty-nine, it says, They said to him, Why did you... What, he said to them, Why do you seek me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? He's sitting in the temple and he's talking to all the Pharisees and Sadducees. He says, He's got father business to do. He's 12. You know, Mary wanted to just pinch his head, right? But what do you do? It's Jesus. But Jesus then again said over in uh, John 5 19. He said, Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the the Son does also. So Jesus said, What I'm doing, I'm doing because I've seen my Father do it. You see that? Jesus is saying, What I'm doing, and what I'm showing you all here on earth as the living example of how God operates, I'm I'm doing this because I want you all to understand I'm about my Father's business, and I'm just doing what I saw my Father do. So then, speaking the word to defeat the devil must be father business, and what Jesus saw His Father do—that's the point I'm trying to make. You see that? It's not like this is just a little weapon. This is the this is how God Almighty operates. Think of this. Okay. Now, I'm sharing this with you this morning. You're saying, "Oh yeah, that's good," <laughs> but there's a there's a Another scripture here, Hebrews, I want you to look at it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. He's talking about the people that all went through the wilderness. And Hebrews 4 2 says that for they for indeed the gospel was preached unto us as well as unto them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So, in other words, the word of God can be there. And, but it can be inactive in your life because you don't mix faith with it for it to operate. That's like taking a seed of a plant, putting it in dirt. But there's one other ingredient it's got to have it's got to be watered. It isn't going to grow. The seed can produce, the dirt can produce. But unless you put the water on it, it doesn't get the mixture. It's not going to produce. So it is with you. You can learn the Bible. You can learn it forwards and backwards. The Pharisees did. And they took Jesus out the son of the living God and killed him. Think about that. Talk about know the word. They knew it forwards and backwards. They knew word, but they did not know the living word. They had knowledge but it wasn't doing them any good because they weren't mixing it with faith. When I've talked to people that have studied religions and they're like, yeah, you know, I understand what Jesus was saying, but yes, you know, over here in the, you know, the Tao manuscript, it says this about this and, you know, it says this over here and Buddha said this and all this. Yeah, you've gained knowledge. But that knowledge ain't going to do you any good unless you mix faith with it. And the only one that really works is the word of God. Because all the others will get you off when you mix your faith with it. But when you mix your faith with the Word of God, then it becomes the living word of God. And it can move mountains. it can part seas. You can walk on water. It's your faith that activates this living word. Another important scripture is Isaiah 55:11. God said, this is my principle. Isaiah 55, 11, said, this is it. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return void to me, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it will prosper in the thing that I sent it. If you go back and read the Genesis story, everything was spoken into existence. God spoke and it was. Are you following me here? So let's put this together. Let's just I mean, because I, I don't I got to teach and preach and I'm trying to hold up because I really want to get to the next point, but I, I got to take my time. OK, God spoke and it was created. Jesus said, I'm just doing my father's business and I'm just doing what I saw my father do. So God speaks and it's created. Jesus speaks and defeats the devil. Jesus sets the example for you and I. So obviously then you and I as Christians should be living with faith in the word of God so that it becomes a living word in our life and begins to create our worlds. All right, let's just, let me just give you an example. This is in the natural sense. You go get married. You marry a lovely wife. I'll talk to the men first. You marry a lovely woman. She's your wife. She does good. And then, you know, 10 years down the road, you wake up every morning and you just look at her and say, man, I don't like you. You're ugly. Your breath stinks when you wake up in the morning. You can't cook worth a flip. You've been trying to do it all these years. You know, your feet stink. And you do this on a consistent basis. How do you think your marriage is going to be created? Huh? I mean, you better be checking to make sure she doesn't have rat poison under there somewhere. Am I right? Your words are going to create a hostile situation. On the other side, you wake up every morning and say you're the most beautiful thing in the world. I love you. I just can't imagine living without you. You are my, my valentine all year. I, I just I adore you. I adore everything about you. I adore the way you walk. I adore the way you burn the bread and scrape it. I love it. <laughs> the, the taco shells. I just love the taste of burnt taco shells. It excites me when you say we're having tacos. <laughs> then what's going to happen? You're going to create a world. That's a good world. That's a, an environment for all kinds of things and love and, and and cherishing and you know, right? All happening. Flowers in the house, right? Okay, well, that's just a natural example of you just using your own words. What about when you start taking the promises of God's word and you start creating a world inside of your life? What happens then? Well, Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's piercing even to the division of the soul and of the spirit and of the joints. It's a mirror and a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there's no... Creature, hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him and it, who must give an account. The word of God's a living word. It has the ability to cut through anything, no matter what. I don't know about y'all, but I like to be around people that are positive. I don't like to be around negative people. I don't like to be around critical people. All right? Everything may be bad, but we don't have to talk about it. Let's get some positive going. Hello? Because when I sit around, then I just get into it. And then I become critical. And it gets all over me. And then I'm just sitting around saying, well, you know. (laughs) Y'all with me? And let's know what God intended us to do. God wants us to be the positive force on this earth. God wants us to be the ones that are out there smiling and and, and shaking hands and being friendly and helping people and blessing people and having a positive word because we already know we got it made. We're going to heaven. All right? But Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the, that the worlds were framed by the word of God. All right? This whole world, everything out there, everything you see, everything growing everything done was framed by the word of God. God spoke and it came into being. So then I ask you right now, there's a mighty weapon. I'm telling you there's a mighty weapon called the living word of God. My, my question back to you then is, what is coming out of your mouth? It's that simple. If you don't have good word coming out of your mouth, it would be better for you to be struck dumb like Zechariah. Zechariah would have prevented John the Baptist from ever being born had the angel not shut his mouth. And I think, would it not be a, a good life experience for us to be struck dumb once in a while? Like you're just in the middle of complaining. i tell you, ain't nothing at all. Get you a change of talking, right? Boom, struck dumb. Can't speak. Can you imagine that? The angels, you know, I I don't know how it works, and I'm just kind of painting with a broad brush, but, like, can you imagine the angel is listening to what he's saying, and he's like, you're an idiot. I can't believe that you're talking like this. I'm Gabriel, sent by God, a messenger to you to tell you, that you're going to have John, and this is what's going to happen. And you're sitting here questioning me, if it, how's it going to happen? Okay, you're not going to be able to speak. Psst. So then Zechariah had to stop and think, you know, it's I'm thankful, Lord, that you just struck me dumb and didn't just smoke me right here. And maybe it would be good for us once in a while for the angel just to strike us dumb so that we would realize that God is moving in our life and he's trying to get us to speak and we've got kingdom business to be doing in life and what's coming out of your mouth is going to frame your worlds because that's how God does it that's family business it's not that you're a crazy person it's that's family business but the word will not profit you unless you mix it with faith so how do you mix faith with the word well You believe that what God said is more true than what you're seeing with your eyes. There's no other way about it. We use faith all the time. But you don't even realize it. You go out, you put your key in your car, you expect it to start. I've had those vehicles before in life that I can't say that about. That it was like, oh, come on, baby, please start. I've been there. But most of us, you put your key in the car and you turn the ignition. You expect to start. When it doesn't, when it goes click, click, click or something, you're like, what's wrong? Because you're fully well expecting it to start. Because it's been starting. You've been seeing it be faithful. And so, therefore, you didn't expect it to stop. But what happens with us is God, we step out a little bit trying to believe God. And then it didn't happen like we thought because you may not even have been believing right or whatever. And then you back off and think, oh, I don't know if that's going to start or that's not going to work. And you pull your faith back. Faith is what what what, what activates the living word to, to start the words to become living word in your life and start to work. And if you don't put faith with it, it's not going to grow. Yeah, it takes effort on your part. Takes effort on your part. You gotta get the word. You gotta, you gotta know what the promises are. I mean, you can just cheat. Take all the, the literature I got in the back out there on the little deals. I got you scriptures and all kinds of stuff. Got all kinds of great confessions and all kinds of things like this. And you can just take this word and say, okay, I want to take this seed and I want to put this seed in my life and I want to start praying it and believe it, and I want to believe it. And the first time you read it and quote it out of your mouth, you may not believe it. But eventually, you'll, you're going to start rooting the weeds out of your life, and you're going to start getting all that other junk out of your life, and the Living Word is going to become a mighty, mighty weapon for you. And so, when something rises up, you just say, "That's not what the Word says." I'm blessed. I'm not can be cursed. Ephesians one three says, "I'm blessed." God bless me. Galatians three thirteen says. That the promise of the Spirit's on me and on the blessings of Abraham are mine. So what you're saying, devil, is a lie. What that looks like in that situation is a lie. Oh, and you have to do some battling because you're an overcomer. But you can do it because that's who God created you to be, is to be an overcomer. So what do you do? You take the word and you beat the snot out of it yeah. till it goes away. Well, it takes this hard. I'm tired and discouraged. I don't want to well, it's the only way it works. I, I can't help you. I don't know what else to say to you. You with me? This is the way the process works. There's no other way around it. All right? So that's why Hebrews ten twenty-three says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised He's faithful. God's faithful. His word's going to come to pass because He's already said it's the principle of my life. The word works. My word will not return back to me void. Okay. Now I'm going to get in the second one. First mighty weapon: the living word. All right. The second mighty weapons of the blood of Jesus. Now said in Revelations 12, 11, the scripture we read before that, it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb. So let's talk about this for a minute, okay? In 1 Peter 1 and 18, 1 Peter 1, 18, it says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct, you received by traditions of your Father, but with the precious, 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 Blood of Christ is a lamb without blemish, without spot. I told you all in the last few weeks about talking about the blood of Jesus that, that the blood is what Jesus poured his own blood out on the mercy seat, and it's the blood that's crying out for you. There's no more need for sacrifices of animals, and there's no more need of an altar down here on earth to pour the blood out to. Jesus has already taken place care of that. already taking place in heaven for you and for me. Amen? But let's talk about this whole principle about blood for a minute, all right? Go in the Old Testament. Go to the book of Exodus chapter 11. Exodus 11, verse 4. This where I'm going to start. <clears throat> now, this is after all the plagues have taken place in Egypt... And the last one's going to take place is the angel of death is going to come through, and the firstborn of all of Egypt is going to die. And so, this is what it says. Then Moses says, Thus says the Lord, about midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn of the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the animals. And then there shall be a great cry throughout the land of Egypt, such as is not like before, nor shall be like it again. But again, none of the children of Israel shall a dog. Listen, Listen is what it says. But against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue. When I was reading that, I just started laughing. I was like, yeah, so the little yapper is not going to bark. Right? That's so what he said. He says, I'm going to move through, but it's going to be so profound. Everybody, the firstborn that's going to be dying, everybody's going to cry, be crying out in the land, but there isn't even a dog going to bark at anybody from Israel. So that lets you know the dominion of God that he's saying, man, all the way down to the little yapper, I'm in charge. And even they got more sense than the Egyptians did. So he goes on, he says uh, that they may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out all the people who followed you. After that, I will go out. Then he went out from Pharaoh in great anger. Okay, let's stop right there for a second. You've got to look at the whole history of what went on, right? In the days of Joseph, all of the land had come under famine. So all of the... The, the 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 sons of jacob all the tribes of israel had gone to egypt to get to find relief from the famine that was going on the land otherwise they would have been wiped out so they go they get the best land the land of goshen then then joseph dies and then the new pharaoh comes in that the people don't recognize what God has done over here. And so they said, man, there's a bunch of them over there. There's a lot over there. So what we better go do is we better go over there and and take dominion over them and conquer them So because they might join another army and they're going to come defeat us. So then all of the land of, of Israel or all the people of Israel had become in bondage and slaves to the Egyptians. Now God wants to get his people out because it's time. Moses has done his thing, Right. And so it's time for him to leave. Pharaoh won't turn loose. So God's trying to make him turn loose. And he won't turn loose and he won't turn loose and he won't turn loose. And finally God says, okay, this is what's going to happen. The death angel's coming. But believe me, he said, this is going to be something that nobody's ever seen before. They are going to, even the dog is going to be silent. Nobody's going to be saying anything. They're going to know that I'm walking through the land, okay? Now go over to chapter 12. Exodus 12, verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. In other words, your whole life is about to change, and you might as well just say your life is starting today. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the numbers of the persons, according to each man's need. You shall, make for the, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish as a male. The first year you shall take it from the sheep or the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they eat. And it shall be and they shall eat the flesh on that night roasted in fire with the unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire. Its head, its legs, its entrails, none of them remain until morning that, that, that it remains until you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, so you shall eat in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and, will, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you or destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now, all these other plagues had already happened, and they saw these plagues coming to pass. They saw them happening in the land. And so now God says, this is what's going to happen. I just want to ask you this. Do you think anyone was stupid enough to not follow those instructions? Because I know that if I would have been there and I'd have seen God do a man, I would have been out there sleeping with my lamb to make sure that nothing happened to him, right? And I would make sure there was ample blood on my door. I wouldn't want to, you know, because I've always thought about this. If I went home to my wife, I really feel like we need to sprinkle blood on the outside of our house on the door. She's gonna say, "Are you crazy? You can't get the blood all over the house. What are you talking about?" But if it was to keep the death angel out, I think we'd all have a different... We wouldn't care that we messed up our paint color. Right? You'd be you'd be out there... I mean, you'd want it all. You'd drain every drip out, man. You'd be... Whoosh, be whoosh. Right? And then you're sitting in there. Now, just think about this. You're sitting in the house, and you start to hear the screams and the cries... Of the people of Egypt. And you're trying to eat. And and you're trying to keep the kids away from the window. Don't look. Sit down. I mean, folks, this is serious. But you see, as Christians, we don't take what Jesus did for us seriously. Some preacher preaches about the blood and they say, oh, that's, that's, I don't like that, that's freaky. We don't think about the blood. We all, we all try to spiritualize everything to the extent that it just becomes a fairy tale to us. But folks, let me tell you something, the blood of Jesus is real. And you, as a Christian, how do you put the blood on your doorpost. Think about this for a minute. How do you put the blood on your doorpost? Now, the old Pentecostals used to always say, right, I plead the blood, I plead the blood of Jesus. And they had this, that was what, they, the way that they understood it. But what I'm saying to you this morning is, how do you put the blood on your doorpost of your heart? How do you do that? There's only one way to do it that I know of. And that's for you to spend time bowing your knee to Jesus and saying, Lord, I thank you for your blood. I repent and I want it over my life. I want your blood to be crying out for me because I don't want to be the one crying out. You see, we always want to be in control. It's like this revival going on that's happening in in the colleges around and, and taking place. And and somebody asked me this morning, said what do you think about this? And I said, I oh, think it's God. I think he's moving. And I said, I'm just gonna wait and see how long it takes man to get involved in it and mess it all up. That's what always happens. Man gets in there and wants to control God, because we got to control everything. But what happens to how you get the blood on your life is when you start bowing your knee to Jesus and saying, "Lord, I just want Your blood over my life. I, there is no way I can be forgiven for my sins. There's no way I can I can work this out. I cannot work works to be good enough, Lord, to be pleased in heaven and do Your side. I have to have Your blood on my life, on my heart, over my." whole self over my family over my household over my children over my business over everything lord i need the blood to be speaking over me that i am saved now when you make jesus christ the lord and savior of your life when you call out to him the very first time you get the appropriation of the blood but i'm still convinced that Because we're walking through a sanctification process. You didn't just get saved and now you're Mr. Perfect. And so you got to have a revelation of the blood of Jesus and what it does for you. And you got to be calling out on that blood when you mess up every time. And he's saying, Lord, I repent. I'm sorry. I thank you for the blood. The blood's crying out something for me. What it's crying out is, You are forgiven. The sacrifice has been made, you are forgiven, you have a right to come into the throne of God, and that's how you appropriate the blood when you call upon Jesus' forgiveness. Now, something else I want to show you here. Do You notice it said that they're supposed to eat with their shoes on and all that, and it says, and you're supposed to eat with your staff in your hand. Now, I just brought my walking stick in here this morning because I was... Uh, This actually was my father's, and so this thing's about probably 100 years old. And uh, I got to thinking about it, and I said, man, what? It'd be kind of difficult. You're eating, and you've got your staff in your hand, right? You're ready to go. So you're having to eat with one hand. And, you know, you're hearing screams outside and everything. You're holding on to the stick, man. You know, and so then I got to think about the staff. And why did he do that? Why did he he Why did he say to 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 get your staff? Why did he say get dressed? Because one reason was because they were showing by faith that they were going to be leaving. But the staff, the staff, the staff, the staff. You know, if you work animals, uh, it, it's like when you grow up as a, a boy on a ranch. A stick is your favorite thing. You always got a stick. You can't do anything without a stick. You got to have a stick. You're going to have to stick. You're gonna, you're, it's for hurting animals, it's for poking. If you've ever, you don't go walk up and slap a, 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 a cow or something like that. They usually will kick you. And so you got to be distance away you, so you don't want to get kicked. Amen? You got to, you got to, you get a stick. You can, you can take an animal and you can make an animal do whatever you want to It's just a stick. Think about this. You can do anything you want to. That's why you have it. You have the crook on the other end. If You got lambs or something you're catching. You can catch a lamb by the back of him and catch him like that. Don't work on cattle, but it does it on a lamb. <clears throat> Get your arm jerked out. But, it, you know, just think about it. It's amazing. You can walk into a pen, and if you know what you're doing, I've seen people who do not know what they're doing. But if you know what you're doing, you can stand in a pen full of a bunch of cattle and you can start cutting them just by one step or another and a stick. And you just can start working them. Their head turns the right way, then you move a little bit and you just start working this out and you sort right through them all and cut whatever you want to or what's in the staff that's in your hand. Did you know that when David, I was reading this and I was kind of shocked, I never had even really caught it, that when he went to fight Goliath, that he had his staff in his hand? I thought, well, I think I'd have got rid of that stick if you were planning on using rocks. But it's also a symbol of authority. We used to work uh, for a neighbor, go over there and help him work cattle once a year. And, and he was an old, old rancher and it's kind of cantankerous. And I, he carried a box of walking canes in the back of his truck. Because whenever he got mad and lost his temper, he'd go to the water trough and he'd start banging on that water trough until he broke his stick, throw it down, holler at his hand to go get him another stick, bring it over there, and he'd start all over. And as I was reading and I thought about that, I said, man, isn't that funny? Your stick, you know, you're your, 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 your starting to sort through things in life and get things out of the way. Come on, poking over here and moving over here and you're, You're working your way through the the, the problems in life. And when I was thinking about all this, it was just like the Holy Ghost dropped in my heart and said, that's what the blood does for you. It's always speaking out over your life. The blood is always speaking out that you're redeemed. You're a child of God. You're born again. You're, 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 you've been made right with God. Heaven is open to you. All the things of God are open to you. But you're standing in the middle of the cattle and the, and the, you know, the, the animals all around you. And, and you're not sorting. You're not making yourself. You've you got to take the blood. And you got to start sorting yourself out, making getting this path. That's what I told you to do. Frame your worlds. Begin to speak. Move things around. Get things in order. Take that staff and use it. And I said, Lord, I'm liking this. I'm liking this. It's making sense to me. That's what the words do when you're speaking the word out of your mouth. You're starting to sort. and You're starting to move this still. You're starting to say, okay, I may be crazy, but I don't want to be crazy all my life. So, Mr. Crazy, get over here. Move. Get out of here. I don't want to be crazy. Okay. Oh, Mr. Anger, I don't want you in my life. Get get, get over here. Get out of the way. Get. Get. And then you're going on through this, oh, there you are. Oh, Miss Jealousy over there. You just come, go, oh, get on over on here. Don't want you in my life. Get on. get on, get on, get on, get on, get on. And you're doing this because what you're doing is, see, you're sitting there using the word, but using the authority given to you by the blood of Jesus because he's made you right. You're starting to just sort out your life. Instead of just sitting back there and saying, oh, he's going to be crazy, nobody likes me, I don't know what's going to go on. No, take your staff and hit something. Get something moving. I don't even know how this story fits, but it's so good I got to tell it. Let me see how much time is. Ooh, I'm running out of time, but anyway. So, so. You know, when when I was growing up, and after we were married, and all just you know, I, I, we 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 ran a lot of cattle on on oat fields, and so we would run stalkers on it, and so we had this one pasture that we uh, had some mother cows, and we had weaned the calves off of them, and you know it was it was time, and so uh, we they were down there in the in another pen, and you know of course they're bawling back and forth, and it's always three or four days that this takes place, and so. We're having to put hay out, and so there was this hunter that he wanted to go with us, and I didn't want to take him, and uh, my dad told me he had to take him. He was from the city, and uh, he wanted to go with us, and I didn't want to put up with him, and, but anyway, so in this one certain place where we were going to dump, you know, and I don't know if you've ever, I may be telling you too many technical things, but if you've ever been in, used to when it rained and it was wet, when you're starting to dump round bells of hay, It gets all moisture underneath there, and then when you go to flip the tumble bug, the brakes won't catch and won't grab, and it won't flip, and so you got to go stick a block underneath the wheel, and you got to hold it to where the thing will flip over. Y'all, if you've ever done it, you know what I'm talking about. It gets irritating. And so anyway, it wouldn't flip, and so I got out, and I stuck the block underneath it. we got this guy there, and so I back up, and I finally got it flipped, and I was back there cutting the strings off the the hay, and the hunter was standing there by me. Well, I left the gate open because... I didn't want to shut it when I went through, thought I could get this done. Well, there was an old cow. And so she sees the gate. And she's hearing her calf bawling down there, and she's just bawling, just as, you know, just, just bawling and bawling and bawling and bawling and, and hit, walking towards the gate. And so I'm trying to get through with what I'm doing. So I look at the guy. I thought, well, you hadn't, you know, you're not that useful, but you can at least run over there and shut the gate. And I said, hey, watch that cow. And then I kept cutting, and she's bawling, and she's walking towards the gate. And I said, watch that cow. And 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 so she's bawling and walking towards it and I said, Watch her, watch her. And he just broke, turned, and run and bailed in the back of the truck. And I was like, What? And so I, then I took off running real fast and I got right to the gate and cut her off, shut the gate and I was going back. And I looked at this guy I said, What's the matter with you? And he said, Oh, now I know what you meant. He said, <laughs> I kept thinking, I didn't think that cow was going to attack me, but you got so assertive in, in what you were saying, I just knew that she was going to at any minute. And so I decided to, I needed to get in the back of the truck. And I just, I didn't even know what to say. I, I mean, I didn't even know what to say. And so the guy's name was Henry. So after that, he got nicknamed Watch That Cow Henry. And the point of what I'm trying to say is is that if if you're going to take the truth of the word of God and you really believe it, then you can be assertive with it. And my assertiveness with telling that guy, watch that cow, watch that cow. I mean, it was plain English to me. It was simple as it could be. That meant run over there and shut the gate so the cow don't get out. Right? But he didn't see it that way. Point being, If you get assertive with your life like that, and you start to say, no, you're not going to, you know, this is not going to, no, this is not the way it's going. The curse of this world, I am not going to be depressed. I declare that the word of God, that God, you only do wonderful things for me. And then it's something else going to say, no, it says, you he only does wonderful things for me. So get out of my way. Get out of here, depression, sort you out, get you over there. Get on, get on, get on. I mean, just poke them in the ribs and make them run. Then you know what's going to happen is you're going to start to see some victory coming in your life. If you sit around, let this world tell you how it's going to be and what's going to happen, folks, they're going to tell you something. You're going to get in some serious trouble. If you're listening to your neighbor who doesn't know the truth of the word of God and they're telling you that's how it's going to be, listen to me. You're going to get yourself in trouble. The only thing that's going to work in your life is the living word of God. Nothing else. And the blood of Jesus made it so. Amen. So, you got to get some, you got some work to do and get busy. I want to tell you the next one because I am not going to finish. So I got some other stuff on the blood I want to share with you, and so. But the third one is is the Holy Ghost. I've been talking to you about the Holy Ghost. Now, just think about this: He gives you the Living Word, He gives you His blood that's calling out for you and setting everything up, and then He gives you a helper to stand by you and tell you how this works. Folks, three mighty weapons that can defeat anything in your life. Three mighty weapons that I guarantee no matter what's facing you, you speak it out over and you're going to see some victory. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, stand to your feet if you would. May my prayer team come down. Listen to me today. If you're out there watching and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't know right now if you died you'd go to heaven. I want to tell you something. Jesus paid a price for you. His blood upon the cross at Calvary. He's already died. He's already paid the price so that you can be saved. You can be right with God. You're not going to be able to do it on your own. Listen to me. You're not going to be able to do it on. You can't do enough good works. I don't care how many good things you do for people. There's not enough that you can do to earn your salvation. Salvation is by faith and grace. But Jesus is there for you. And the Bible says if you call upon his name, he'll be there and he'll forgive you. And he'll wash you in his blood. If you're in here in the building today and you're not sure, you don't know for sure if you, if you die today you're going to go to heaven. You don't know. That's why we have prayer team people up here. For you to come up and just talk with them and pray with them, they'll lead you to a, a, a prayer, and you can make Jesus the Lord of your life, and you can be free. Amen? Amen? Some of you in here, you may need to just come up and pray because, man, you just now figured out that the devil's the one who's been sorting you and said you sorting him. And maybe you need somebody to set their agreement with you and pray. That's why we're here. Amen. So everybody say this. Say, I'm going to start sorting it and getting it straight. Amen. Now look at the person beside you and say, hey, God gave us some mighty weapons. So I'm going to pray over you. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I just pray and believe over each and every person in here and those hearing the message. That today, Lord God, they would rise up as children of God. They would realize that you've already paid the price for us. There's already a victory that's ours. That you bought it for us, Lord. You gave it to us. I think if the devil is defeated. And, God, you were on the throne in life. And I believe you right now that as we leave this building today and we go out in this world, Lord, people are going to pick up their sorting sticks. They're going to start doing some sorting. They're going to get things out of the way. They're going to start using the word of God. They're going to start seeing effectiveness take place in their life. And, Lord, I thank you that the blood is speaking over our life and that you're moving and flowing and doing things in life to just bring about victory for each and every one of us. So, Lord, this day as we go out, let us be lights and blessings in this world to everyone that we meet, everyone we go around, Lord. Let us be a blessing to them and see you move in their lives, Lord. And, Lord, we give you praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.